podcast where we discuss the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles. With me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. In today's topic, we'll be covering Helm Hammerhand and Earl the Young, the two heroes from the Rohan list that predate War of the Ring. In our open topic today, we will be talking about our favorite warrior profiles. Okay, let's dive into the profiles for this episode. Yes. The horn of Helm Hammerhand shall sound in the deep one last time. So the first profile we will be covering will be Earl the Young. Um, He is in the Rohan list, Hero Valor. And his basic stat line is Fight 5, Strength 4, Defense 7, 3 Attacks, 3 Wounds, Courage 5, 3 Might, 2 Will, and 2 Fate. Now the way that you take him in a list is a little bit restricted. If you include any other named hero from the Rohan army list, then you automatically lose your army bonus. And if your army contains Earl, then every alliance will be impossible except for Minas Tirith. As long as Minas Tirith has no named hero models as well. His war gear includes heavy armor, sword, shield, throwing spear, and his horse, Felleroth, which is a horse with a movement of 12. And all of these are included in his profile with no additional cost. He has four heroic actions, heroic resolve, heroic strike, heroic strength, and heroic defense. And he has three special rules, expert rider, horse lord, and legendary hero, which is the first point of might he spends every turn on a four plus. It does not reduce his store of might. I just love that his special rule is legendary hero, but he's only a hero of valor. I know a lot of people have pointed that out before, but it's just like, really? I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be a hero of legend. I really don't see a reason why not. I, I don't know. It's, just, it's funny to me. He's, a, he's the first king of Rohan. He founded the nation, so I think it would be appropriate. It, that sounds as legendary as it gets, but maybe it's because... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Helm Hammerhand is one, just because he, he's got he is a hero fist. <laughs> That's what it takes. Earl the Young. I mean, Hero of Valor for the first King of Rohan is like being like Earl the Okay. He's fine. He's <laughs> apparently, like, founding a nation in Rohan is just, nah, you know. Thaden's ah, better. Yeah, he had some help from other guys. Is Yeah, he had all his sons to help him out. He's it it just okay. So my first impression of this profile is that you're getting a really good deal for 115 points. He is basically the points value of like a kitted out Faramir or like a Suladan. And his stat line and everything the hero comes with, he's close to like one of those like Lords of the West um, or not quite there because of his fight value. But he just seems really undercosted, And I think that might have a lot to do with his restrictions how it's like they make it really tough for him to include with other named heroes. And so he gets like a better deal, so to speak. He has a movement at 12 and he comes with throwing spear. He already starts at defense seven and he has the possibility of getting more might. Yeah, he's just cool, good special rules, good heroic actions. I like the 12 inch move horse because... I think only Glorfindel, Arwen, and Gandalf have access to the 12-inch move force, so that's pretty underrated. The heroic axes he has is a lot of versatility there. Like He's got the strike, the defense, and strength, which we all decently like, but he also has resolve, and just because of the free might that he can get, it's not a bad idea. He's basically like a self-taskmaster, kind of. 
Well, I mean, but yeah, he's basically a self-taskmaster. I didn't realize it was only in the first point of might a turn, though. So it's not crazy amounts of might that he can get in the game, but it's still decent. Hmm. I like it. I like the profile a lot, honestly, just for like the cost. And also, I think the throwing spears are probably a little underrated. They're or like just because I think he'll probably end up going into a lot of enemy heroes. Because if you take him, he'll probably be one of the only heroes you have with strike. So on the charge, he's got the four attacks. He's got the throwing spear on the way in, which could be really handy to like knock off a wound or take out an enemy mount. There's Both also um, armor on the horse as well. True, so true, true. That combined with horse lord, it could be um, a little bit tougher to dismount him. I'll go with my rating. I think if, if he didn't have any of the army building restrictions, I think he would be a 10. Because to me, he's like a 140, 150 point hero somewhere there. Uh, and you're getting him for 115. But because of the restrictions, I think he would be sitting at like a 7 out of 10. Okay. I agree essentially just completely with everything you guys have said. The stat line is quite strong. The only thing that I think really is missing is really just that third point of will and fate. It's the only thing that I can really see that I think brings him down. Maybe being Courage 5, where he might be able to be Courage 6. The legendary hero is fantastic. Potential free point of might. Personally, I don't think his restrictions really deter me that much. Because he is so strong, I think it's a pretty fair trade-off. I understand, obviously, when you're playing Rohan, there's a lot of all-mounted forces, and you want that army bonus. but Really, it's pretty close. I see the desire to have it, but what you can get with Earl the Young for just 115 points, Charles, like you said, I think 150, maybe 160 points would be more like it without the restriction. I'd probably give him eight, eight and a half. So I'll have to disagree with Alex here. I think you definitely want to keep the army bonus. It's a pretty big deal. So I guess we'll talk about it more when, once we get to Alex's uh, army list for today. <laughs> But you mean the one where I literally have to take Earl the Young and have to lose the army bonus? Yeah. But anyway, I think, yeah, like Charles said, the restriction is probably the biggest limiting factor. So I think the way you would play Earl the Young is probably playing him in a smaller points match and take him as the only named hero. I think that's usually the way to go. But yeah, when you do that, he is a beast. And I mean, it's still doable in a bigger game. So from a previous episode, Mitchell from the Duran show, he's obviously taken Earl as the centerpiece in his 1,000 point list to success. So it can be done, but usually that's not the easiest thing to do. So I think because of all the limitations, as good as the stat line and the special rules are, I think I'd probably give him like a 6 out of 10. Interesting. You've, you've swayed me somewhat, Richard. I was leaning towards like an 8, but... Yeah, I guess if you're going to take him and, like, have other Rohan-named heroes, you're kind of taking him in, like, the Aemir slot, which I think he is better than Aemir. But, like you said, losing that army bonus, it's not great to not have that. But if you're going for, like, a more infantry-centric force, you can. But I think there's better ways to do that kind of an infantry-centric force, either with a legion or with allies, which you can't really do with him. You would yeah. do it with a Minas Tirith infantry, right? Which, eh... You could put, like, Fight for Fountain Court behind Helmingas, and then you got, you know, Strength 5 when they pierce at the front, but it's... Eh, eh. I think there's better ways to do that kind of an alliance and keep your army bonus without taking Arrow. Earl? You wouldn't be able to take Helmingas, though, because Grimbold would make it impossible. That's what I mean. Like, if you're going to do the uh, impossible alliance... Oh, wait, no, then you couldn't do it. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because then he becomes impossible with everybody. No, does he? 
No, it doesn't. You can still take Rohan named heroes and ally Minas Tirith, as long as they don't have named heroes. But I, yeah, I don't think that's a great build anyway. So I was going to say an 8, but you've swayed me down to a 7, just because of the restrictions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting takes on this hero. So the next one we're going to cover is Helm Hammerhand, and we've combined them in a single episode because they're similar in the sense that Helm Hammerhand is also very limited. So Helm Hammerhand is a hero of legend. He was the ninth king of Rohan, and the fortress of Helm's Deep was named after him. He's 165 points, quite a bit more than Earl. He's also fight 5. He has a strength of 5, defense 7, 3 attacks, 3 wounds, courage 6, 3 might, 3 will, and 1 fate. And he comes with heavy armor, a two-handed sword, and the Horn of Helm Hammerhand. The Horn of Helm Hammerhand is a warhorn, and it gives Helm Hammerhand terror whenever he charges, until the end of the turn. His heroic actions are the same as Earl. Heroic Resolve, Heroic Strike, Heroic Strength, and Heroic Defense. In addition, he also has Heroic Challenge. And his war gear option is he can take a horse for 10 points. He has five special rules. They are Burly, Expert Rider, Horse Lord, Inspiring Presence, which gives friendly Rohan warrior models within six inches of him a plus one fight value. And his final special rule is the hammer hand, which allows him to use the bash special rule where he can punch people with his fists. He also never counts as unarmed. This is kind of a, more of a thematic rule, I think. I don't know in what situation you would, where you would use bash. So the restriction for this hero is if your list includes Helm Hammerhand, you cannot include any other named Rohan heroes. And if your army includes Helm Hammerhand, then every alliance will be impossible allies. I figured we should also just quickly cover the Legendary Legion, since the Legendary Legion is kind of built around him, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but it's probably the way you want to run it. So he gains a special rule in the Legendary Legion called the King of Rohan, which gives him the Mighty Hero special rule, giving him three point of might a turn, and it also gives him a free hero combat each turn without spending might. So that's, that's a huge, huge special rule that you only get in the Legendary Legion. And that's why I'm saying that it's probably the way you want to run him. Well, I just want to address where you said, when would he ever use the Bash special strike? Well, I'm just thinking if he was fighting a Fell Beast, I think that would be pretty useful considering he already has Strength 5. So the Strength Differential isn't very large there. And then he also has the Burly, so I believe that's a plus one to your role as well. So you're pretty much on par with, like, the Fell Beast. Is that how it works? Wait, are you saying he has Burly Fists? <laughs> what? Yep. He has two-handed fists. He's so manly. Oh, he just hits him with both at the same time, right? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he can't use his fist two-handed. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I, I don't know if he can or can't. Can he technically? I love the image. Instead of his sword, he may choose to fight with his fists. Okay, yeah, so he doesn't have two-handed <laughs> Okay, maybe not. Maybe I was just dreaming. He has okay. two fists, but they're not two-handed. Okay. <laughs> My dreams will remain dreams. I think that's still a pretty good shout-out, though, considering he is strength five base. And then you get the plus one when you do the bash, right? So yeah. you'll you'll basically be on par with the Felby's strength six. So it's kind of down to, like, it's a roll-off to see if you knock him off. Isn't it already good enough that he's traded in his sword for these guns? Like, what is going on? <laughs> he's basically in the same boat as, like, Dane's hammer, right? When would you ever bash with Dane? Because Dane is also a strength 5. But in Dane's case, you actually can use the burly with his hammer. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very fringe thing. I, I think the best part of this role is probably that he never counts as unarmed, so he's safe against the Shatter, our favorite spell. Yeah, that, um, that's the, the worst thing. I saw that post you put online. <laughs> Three Shatters in one list. <laughs> you wonder why I put Lady of Light in every list. It's because I fear this. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I guess we'll get into it more when I talk about my army list for today. But like Charles said, bringing him in in the Legendary Legion is ridiculous. Like, mighty hero, three might base, and then he gets a free hero combat a turn. That's just crazy. If you play it right, you usually want to be burning basically two free might a turn and just three might base. I think if you're fighting anything that is under fight five, you would just crush them. So when it comes to this profile, like the biggest weakness is the fight five. But aside from that, he's basically on par with the Elendils and like King Elisar with the strength five and Burly. He's just ridiculous killing power. I think similar to Earl with the restrictions kind of takes him down a notch. But I feel like what's different from Earl is in a low points list, this hero can single-handedly carry you depending on what list you're going up against. And also with his inspiring presence, which gives the fight value to friendly uh, Rohan warriors beside him, gives them kind of a buff to surrounding troops, which Earl doesn't have. Earl is just mostly focused on his own profile. So I always like the heroes that kind of have a buff aura. And if you run Mounted Royal Guard beside him, they're fight five as well, which is, you know, you get that basically elite cavalry so I would rank him slightly ahead of Earl in this case, but again, due to the restrictions, I can't give him too high of a mark, so I would probably give him a 7.5. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said about this profile. I probably like Earl a little more, actually, because I don't know if everyone here agrees, but the Legendary Legion is kind of the only way you want to play Helm Hammerhand. Like, you can play him in a pure Rohan list, but you wouldn't be able to take any of the named heroes. So it'd be the same warrior and hero selections as the Legion. So basically you're trading the special rules from the Legion for the Rohan army bonus, which I don't think is a good trade because that potential two might turn is just too good. Yeah. I mean, you could have it at strength six on the charge, but the two might is better because <laughs> you can just throw up strength. Yeah, but that's not the only um, special rule on the Legendary Legion, right? You can also fight with spears. That's the other one. So, oh, support. So yeah. I guess you can argue it's just a different play style than the regular Rohan bonus. You go from more of a cavalry-based army to mm. infantry style. Which, it makes sense, just because he is so many points, and you're going to want to run him probably not past 600. So to bulk out your numbers, you probably take more infantry anyway, right? Well, in the Legion, your Riders Rohan count towards your bow limit. So you can't really play uh, all-mounted unless you want to do only roll guard. So it's like, yeah, you either have to play a mix or infantry list. Yeah. Um, I, I guess my point is that I feel like Earl is a little less restricted because you have access to Minas Tirith too. But at low points, Helm is just <laughs> one of the top heroes in the game for like a 400, maybe 500 point tournament. I think I'll have to give him the same score as Earl. I think Earl might be more flexible and more options, but Helm is just good at his like his own niche. He, he dominates the lower points, I think, probably more than Earl does. Give him a 7 as well. So, like you said, like his biggest weakness, I think, is the, the fight 5. But assuming you're taking him in the Legion, which I think 
90% of the time you're going to take him in the Legion, right? Unless you really, really want to run an all-cab force with him, or you just don't know about the Legion, but you know about the profile, which would be weird. But yeah, the biggest thing is his fight value. But even then, in Legion, he has that free point of might every turn from Mighty Hero to use Heroic Strike. So it's not that big of a deal. Other than that, it's one fate is a bit of an issue. But the defense seven is where you want to be, and he's got the three wounds. So there's a decent chance he'll give up like VPs for leader wounds. But other than that, I think he'll be fine, right? Like he's not going to die in every game. And then just the, the mighty hero end of free hero combat is insane. Because the way you stop those free hero combats is if you can get enough dice in there that he only rolls a five, then he has to use might from his pool. But no, he just has a free one anyway. So he can go in, roll four high on four dice, and be like, okay, mighty hero and one for my store. My hero combat's going off. He's not gonna fail a wound either, just because like because the strength five plus one to wound. Ugh, ugh, it's gross. I thought about a potential use of the bash. If you Shoot. call a heroic challenge, bash your opponent so that the next turn they'll be fighting prone. Ooh, yeah. I think there's <laughs> there there's like a, like a ways you could use it. Like if he does end up on foot, like his horse dies, then you might want to use it there. Uh, yeah. Ooh, okay. So he has one fate. Would you guys use that on a horse lord roll or no? It's the same as Dayton, right? If it's like right at the first two turns of the game when you're trying to charge in and then you get shot by like some random bowman, then I'd probably use it. But if it's like late game and you have to fight heroes and you know you, you might die, then no. Yeah. And just when it comes to the survivability too, like, um, yeah, the free hero combat is nice. But with the mighty hero, honestly, if you're in a tight spot, you can call heroic defense every turn too, if it comes down to it. So I think burning the fate early for the horse lord is okay. Yeah, that's a good point, good point. And yeah, whatever list you're running him in too, like, it, it's not a big deal. Like, the only action he's missing is March, but you're always going to have a captain in the list anyway. Unless you're doing 300 points and you just don't have the space. You're always going to have a captain beside him, so that's not a big deal. He is a superhero. He's This is like everything that everybody on the internet wants AMR to be. <laughs> this is the profile they want for AMR. It's not going to happen, but... It's really good. And then, yeah, the buffs that he gives, too. Like, he's Courage 6 in the profile, but he has a Warhorn, so he's effectively Courage 7, so he's not going to run away. He, that buffs all your troops, too, and he gives the plus 1 fight value. So if he didn't have those hero restrictions, I'd probably put him at a 10 in the Legion just because of all the might stuff. Because of those restrictions, though, I'd probably put him at, like, an 8, 8.5. Okay, I'll say, like, an 8 if you go above, like, 600 points. 8.5 at, like, less than that. Yeah. Yeah. Above 600. I'm surprised you would even play this list at that high level. <laughs> That's why his ranking goes down, because he's bound it into other big heroes, right? I'd even say, like, above 500, honestly, because I think, yeah, no, I'll say above 500, his ranking goes down for me. Because then there's way more chance you're going to run into stuff like magic that can shut him down more effectively, right? And, and other big heroes. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It's just, like, it doesn't scale, right? So, like, once you get that extra captain for the march... Well, you're just adding captains after that, which do the same thing, so... Ah, King's Huntsman. Oh, that's a profile? But, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I do agree with you, too. The other thing is is that because you don't have the Thaden bonus in there, your captains are sitting at fight four. That's no bueno. Like, your Royal Guard are going to be out fighting, right? So, I, mm, yeah, I, I don't think above 500 is nearly as good, like you said. It d definitely doesn't scale. Yeah, I... I think the rating for him really depends on where you're using him and at what points. In the Legion, he's just he's absolutely excellent, especially at lower points. I think below 600, 500 or lower, he's probably just one of the best combat heroes. He's going to be nearly impossible to deal with. He'll decimate entire lines by himself.
obviously at higher points, like Richard said, it just doesn't scale. You get a captain and you get more captains, but you essentially don't get any heroes that are really uh, doing anything different than the previous ones already do. But even with the restrictions, I think he's quite good. For the sake of continuity, I'm going to give him the same ranking that I gave Earl. I'm going to say he's about an 8. Let's move on to some army lists. And just um, in the same topic as Helm Hammerhand, let's go with Richard's army first. It's army with Helm Hammerhand at 400 points. Okay, so so this is the legendary Legion Helm's Guard. So my leader has to be Helm Hammerhand on horse, leading seven Royal Guard with throwing spears, uh, one Royal Guard with throwing spear and banner, seven Warriors of Rohan with throwing spear and shields, one Warrior of Rohan with shield, and then two Royal Guard with throwing spear and horse. So keep in mind, again, the throwing spears can act as normal spears as well if they didn't throw that turn. So there is kind of a shield wall here going. So I kind of had a little dilemma of whether to take the captain or not. But at 400 points, I am maxing out my warband rather than taking another captain. So I'm missing out on the march, but I would be down in other five, six models, which I don't like at 13 models. 19 is like a healthy amount, and honestly, at 400 points, you're not going to get a lot of armies that will shoot you off the board. Just, you know, pray that you don't come against a Rangers of Athelion. Say your prayers the night before, and you should be solid. The strategy here is basically, I played this list a couple times, and you want to throw Helm at their troops, and you want to be grinding out as many troops as you can with the free heroic combat and then using your mighty hero to kind of boost and just not lose fights. And then if they have a hero at around fight five or lower, you can even throw some of your royal guards in there to kind of tie them up with the same fight value. That's nice and useful. Otherwise, it's pretty straightforward, just a small shield wall and you have two cavalry to either capture objectives or play uh, hammer and anvil kind of tactics. Pretty uh, straightforward list to review. One warband led by a guy who can literally fist fight. Normally, a list would have slight courage issues just because Rohan is generally about courage three. The Royal Guard have bodyguards, so you're pretty resilient against any courage shenanigans. Throwing spears in the Legion able to act as regular spears, so you can support, create a little bit of a shield wall. You've got the banner. And of course, you've got Helm Hammerhand, who I think at 400 points, there's not really going to be much to stop him. I think being able to play defense with the rest of the list and letting him go at it is probably a solid plan. Really can't pick up on much that I don't like, just because the Legion bonuses are great. And it's going to be pretty hard to bring this list down. Obviously, you've got the one hero, but everything else is just right there. In fact, I honestly can't come up with any real significant criticism. And for that reason, I've got to give it a Hero of Legend. You got so much Royal Guard in the list that it's pretty much always going to be fight five in every combat. I think your numbers are like 19 has seemed low at first. But if you think about it, like if the average 400 point list is going to have either like two captain sized heroes or like a medium size, a medium hero and then a captain level hero, which will be about 175 points in total so you're not necessarily spending more points on heroes than the average it almost feels like the kind of list you see like elendil with like a full warband of 18 kind of like that 
I think at 400 points, this is really, really strong because the 6-inch fight value buff, 6 inches might not scale super well, but at 400 points, it's probably going to be your whole battle line. So it's a fight 5 army. And the 3 might seem low, but we just talked about how the 2 free ones every turn, potentially, that he can get makes it a lot more than 3. The only issue is the same as any list with just one hero. If you lose like a heroic move roll-off or whatever, then he can be pinned down. Even though he's a good fighter, I still think there are some situations where he can get tar-pitted or something like that. But yeah, I don't think there's much weakness. You got so many throwing spears, you can kite your enemy if you wanted to. So I agree with Alex, uh, probably a hero of legend. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. And I think Charles pointed out like the biggest weakness that I had on my mind is just that you have the one hero because he's so big and he's so good like he'll do a lot of work but if you're playing against like a savvy opponent if they can try and spread out your army it becomes a lot weaker because you'll lose the buffs and like i think yeah alex said your courage is good but your defense is a little sketchy just because half your guys are defense five but you can put up the defense six in the front so it's not the worst there are ways to counter the troops so i'm a little bit torn the only reason i say this is what I can compare this to is, like, I know Charles ran a lot in preparation for Nova last year, and what he took was a big 800-point list, but he had Aragorn and Boromir, just two big heroes at, like, a high points value. And this is, like, one big hero, but at a low points value. So I, I kind of, like, you can see the weaknesses, and I think they'll translate over the same kind of way. You might just not have might or heroes where you need them to be on the board. So if your opponent can exploit that, then you'll be in trouble. So because of that, I think I'd say it's, like, a hero of Valor, because of that kind of like skill cap that you need to be at to, to play it really well. But like in your hands, Richard, I'd probably put it at a hero of legend because I know you're like, you're a really good player and you're really good with movement and stuff and you're really good at reading the board. So it kind of depends on who would be playing it, but it is a very solid list. And yet the Legion is gross. Yeah. I, I would just add in one more, maybe like criticism of my own list. I think one weakness could be that I do have a lot of throwing spears, but no actual bows. That's why I was saying that I'd be afraid of coming up against uh, Rangers of Athelion or even like a really shooty elf army because no march and I can't really shoot back. The only comfort that I have is having that D6 front line. Yeah, I just got to basically start walking. You reminded me of my other point that I forgot to say is that your mobility isn't like, it's not great. It's not bad at 400 points because you have the two mounted uh, Royal Guard in there. So like they can get to objectives and stuff and they have the bodyguard pretty good, but just because your numbers are so low, well, not so low, I don't know, they're pretty average. I don't know, the mobility is a little worrisome, but I think you'll be fine, because you have the two mounted guys, I guess. But it is something to be aware of. I feel like even if Richard has a bad day against shooting, and let's say he lost like five or six dudes, when he gets there, how many armies are going to have an answer for Helm Hammerhand? Like, even if he's outnumbered like three to one at 400 points... I don't know. I, I don't I, know how many heroes can actually stop him. Well, it, it'll come down to if he was playing against somebody else who has a similar kind of build to him, like one really big hero, like an Elendil or Gilgalad, and a one warband. If you come up in an even match, I think Helm probably won't win that. He might because of the mighty hero, though. But if he gets tied up for long enough, I think your troops will go down. Yeah. I don't love no bows because everybody has throwing spears. I think it works out well because your defense is high and you still have that ranged threat. So I think that's good. I think it kind of makes up for the no bows, and it, if you took bows in this list, it would reduce your defense more, so I don't think you want to, but I don't know. It also kind of comes down to if you have a bad game and somebody wins a couple priority rolls, and if they can put a hero with heroic defense into Helm, he's not going to do anything for those two turns, right? That's a big issue. 
Yeah, maybe you could like swap a couple guys out for outriders to sit back on objectives, but I think maybe drop it to 18 and get another royal guard mounted because then your breakpoint doesn't change. It's, it's a tough call. Okay, so our next list will be a 600-point list from Alexander, which is a Earl the Young list in a pure Rohan army. This list is going to be fun to outline just because the whole time I was like, make a list that was better than the Gandalf episode. Just make a list better than the Gandalf episode. That's all you have to do. And I'm really not sure this list is any better uh, <laughs> because apparently I can't write uh, Rohan lists. Yeah, I'm not sure um, either, Alex. <laughs> Ouch. It's harsh, man. I was going to say I think it's better, but geez. Why kick me when I'm already down? He's admitting Why to it, Richard. You don't need to, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to stomp on his face. He's already, on, he's already uh, down there, man. My bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, the insults start flying, and I haven't even started reading the list yet. Uh, to so, be fair, um, you started the insults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Self burn. Those are rare. So I'll ring this off, give a little bit of a strategy, and then just open myself up to the criticism. I started off actually with Aedin, King of Rohan, Armored Horse, Heavy Armor, Shield, three Royal Guard on Horse, two Royal Guard with Horse and Throwing Spear, one Rider of Rohan with Throwing Spear and a Banner, Earl the Young, four Riders of Rohan with Throwing Spear, two Sons of Earl, Captain of Rohan, Horse, Heavy Armor, Shield, six Riders of Rohan with Throwing Spears. Now, I was in a position where I was deciding, do I add other named heroes and lose the army bonus, or do I go all generic after Earl and see how that goes? With the amount of dependence that troops have on Theoden with their special rules, I decided to uh, just take a home run swing at it, break it, throw Theoden in there. Ultimately, the strategy ended up being I went all-mounted Rohan. I've got access to March with the captain. Get some solid defense. I've got 8 might, 11 bows, and a whole bunch of throwing spears, so I can kind of hope to play the range game on my opponent. Move in, move out, throwing spears, get the charge off, just kind of outpace them a bit that way. Earl would be my main combat hero, trying to keep Thaden a little bit insulated. The way I look at it, it's very much a go big or go home kind of list. It's either going to do very well if I get the charge off and can uh, make the most of that. But if it gets hit hard, it's going to fold like a cheap lawn chair. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> so I think if you are going to take this list and with Early Young and break it so you have like other named heroes, you're going to want to take Theoden. So I agree with that pick just because it buffs up your cav. You're still going to want to take a mostly cav army if you're going to do that, right? So yeah, if you're going to break it, take Theoden. I agree with that. And that was your mission for this list. So I agree with that pick. I think I disagree with the Captain of Rohan because, unless I'm wrong, Thaden has March, right? He does. Yeah, so I don't think you need yeah. the Captain in there. I think I'd rather take another named hero. Yeah, I think I'd rather take another named hero that brings some kind of other shenanigans to the list. Like, I'm a big fan of Elfhelm just because he has that really cheeky and annoying throwing spear and also the heroic defense so he can tie up big heroes. So somebody like that or maybe, what's his name, Darewine, the one who gets the free hero combat so close to Theoden, maybe something like that. Actually, that wouldn't be that bad because then you could get like two kind of Earl and him getting free hero combats, you know, just making those impacts cow heroes hit a lot harder. The other criticism I have is, like, it you took Theoden, so you want to take a lot of Rohan Royal Guard and a lot of Riders, because he's buffing the Riders. 
but you're taking Earl as well, and Sons of Earl are really good, and you only have two in the list. So 100% take more Sons of Earl. Yeah, you don't have the Strength 5 on the charge. You need the Sons of Earl to have that impact in combat. So if there's a way, you probably have to drop some of your throwing spears, which again, isn't the worst thing to do on the Riders of Rowan that you do have, because they have bows anyway, so they can still have threat from range. So I think if you drop like one Rider and a few throwing spears, and then swap out a couple more Riders for Sons of Earl, so you had like four of them, that would be a better build. I still overall kind of like what you got, though. It's it's a pretty solid cavalry list. It's just that you're missing out on your awesome army bonus. Yeah, not the worst, honestly. I like it. For, like, an only Rohan build that isn't a Legion and it's all mounted, I like it. I'll say Fortitude, but I think you could sneak it up to a Valor if you changed a few things. Yeah, yeah. Now, the one issue I had is, you know, I thought, oh, do I want to buff up the numbers a little bit, but then that would mean having a whole bunch of infantry in there, and then you're kind of in that purgatory middle where you're not quite a cavalry army, but you're not an infantry army, and you've just got a lot of everything, but nothing really cohesive. So I was worried about that happening. But I actually did at one point have four Sons of Roll on the list. Ended up dropping it just because the numbers came way down. I think it was like 18, and that's where I was having an issue. I felt I had to at least have 20 to make it somewhat viable. I will say, I actually do like your numbers. The 21 is really good at 600, considering everybody's mounted. But it might actually, it might be better just to drop the captain completely and just take more sons. Because then your numbers go up, and the sons are basically like mini captains at this point, right? So I think if you swapped a few things out, it actually could be pretty, pretty good. Uh, so... I think Ian brought up a lot of the points already. It's just Ian was just nice about it. Because, <laughs> you know. I want to hear your perspective on all of the, everything I said that was good. Tell me why it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I agree with you, but you just made it sound nice. So Do it, Richard. Do it. Do it. Yeah, it. so I don't understand this hero combo, really. I feel like if you left either Theta Note or the Captain of Rohan, it would just be a better list already. Because, like, you're not getting a huge benefit by breaking your army bonus for one here, taking Theta. At this point level, I think the best list I would go for is maybe just Earl and one, maybe two captains. but Or you could just spam out on Sons of Earl. But if you're going to take the Eden, um, like Ian said, Yeri has the march, just the Captain Rohan is kind of redundant. And then, yeah, just the mix between Riders of Rohan, Royal Guard, and Sons of Earl. I think you personally going with Riders of Rohan with the Defense 5, it just kind of makes your list a lot more breakable. Because you have uh, actually most of your list is Riders of Rohan. So if they take those out at Defense 5, then they could easily break you. So I would definitely go for more troops if you want more Riders of Rohan. Or you could go with the more elite option and take more Sons of Earl and Rohan Rogard. But I don't know. That's kind of like just throwing around the troop options a bit. But I think mostly it's just came down to hero choices where I don't think there's a good synergy here. So uh, I, I think I would go with the minor since I think Fortitude is a bit generous. I agree with these guys here. Like Captain Rohan, not a great pick. If you wanted more might, I think you can get Hama. I think Hama is a little bit underrated because he brings three might for only five more points. So, yeah, it's basically both of these guys said, you know, it's kind of an awkward lineup. Maybe two heroes would be good. 
throw out the captain and then you would be able to bring your numbers up to about 25 26 the thing is losing your army bonus is a big deal because you have a lot of cavalry it's a cavalry list right and you're losing that plus one strength on all of them I like the idea of the list of including the hero legend, and then you can kind of throw in Neural to, to do the damage, but I'm going to go find a hero. Well, I guess my thing is, like, how good was all-mounted Rohan in the last edition? And it wasn't that's great. A, that's, like, essentially what this is, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, wait a second. Is... You're losing your army bonus, so you can't take a lot of Riders of Rohan. You can only take 33% of them, right? No, it's not an army bonus. It's an additional rule. Okay, it's not it's, part it's of not the army, army bonus. I wasn't sure if it was the army. Trust okay, me, okay. guys. Okay, I checked before I built the list, and um, you guys are lucky. My microphone is off so that you couldn't <laughs> hear me sob. I'm an ugly crier. Now, just like the Gandalf episode, this list was uh, not premier baking. It was well, uh, undercooked and it was stale. It was dry. <laughs> Breaking the army bonus with Earl at 600. I don't. Maybe it doesn't work. This idea might work better at like 700 or 800 points. I think it's possible if you went all hero or close That's to all hero. Okay. So if you didn't take Thaden, you took Earl, Theodred, maybe Durnhelm, and Gambling. maybe like Urkenbrand or something. Yeah, or Gambling. And then just took like maybe a few roll guard if you still had the points uh, or a few suns. Just go for like a 10 model army or around 10. I think that could hit pretty hard. Yeah, even maybe at that point taking Earl, a captain. Either another captain, or is the King's Huntsman a named hero, or does he count as unnamed? He's unnamed. I could even take the King's Huntsman. Are you sure unnamed. that's not his full name? Mr. King's Huntsman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, it's just, it's just a typo in the book. It's actually King's Huntsman, one word, no spaces. Okay, so the next list we'll be talking about will be another 600-point list, and this one will be from Ian. Okay, so for my list, I was basically tasked with making a 600 point list with Earl and running an alliance and basically because of his special rules all you can do is run him with Minas Tirith but I think it actually is a pretty decent alliance that you can do just because the unnamed heroes in Minas Tirith actually offer you some nice little bonuses so what I have my first warband is Earl he's the leader uh I have him as the leader but that could change depending on how you like personal preference but I'll get into that in a minute so I have Earl in his warband, he has six Sons of Earl and five Rohan Royal Guard on foot with throwing spears. My second warband is a King's Huntsman, and he has five out walkers, so just the outriders on foot. And my third warband is a King of Men. He has a horse, heavy armor, a lance, and a shield. And in his warband, he has five Warriors of Minas Tirith, spear and shield, one Guard of the Fountain Court with shield and banner, and four Citadel Guard with bow. So that comes to 600 points, 30 models, 16 dead to break, seven might plus Earl's free stuff, nine bows, plus the King's Huntsman, plus six throwing spears, one of which is on Earl. So it's got a decent range threat and pretty good numbers. I think 30 at 600 is basically where you want to be at. And with three heroes, I think that's very reasonable. As for the hero choices, the King of Men brings a lot of versatility to the list, I think, just because of his heroic actions. He's also just another like decent-sized mounted hero who can do damage. Like He's got the fight five, he's got the lance, so he can hit kind of hard. But he brings March and a defense to the list, so he can kind of tarp hit an enemy hero if I need him to, or he can just hit hard again, like beside Earl. The Warriors of Minas Tirith, Spear and Shield, they're just going to link up with the Royal Guard on foot, and that kind of gives me a bit of a shield wall, because this list is basically just your classic hammer and anvil. 
the anvil is pretty solid you know i've got dozen or so defense six troops with fight four and a banner right but then the hammer is just ridiculous earl with six sons and a king of men that's that is just really hard hitting as for my third hero choice i was debating between the king's huntsman and the knight of the white tower from minas tirith i think the knight of the white tower might be the better pick because he brings another strike into the list but I'm not 100% sure you need it at 600 points. So I decided to go with the King's Huntsman just because no one ever brings him out. And I think in this kind of a list, this is where you would run him. And also he does bring extra shenanigans to the list, which you want. Because it is still kind of like cut and dry besides the hammer and anvil. Everybody can see that coming. So having extra just utility things is good yeah like i said hammer and anvil is the basic strategy and i think with all the shooting that i have i should be able to draw the enemy towards me yeah decent courage like i've got a lot of bodyguard units and they are split between earl and the king of men so even if one of them dies i still have other stuff that can auto pass courage so i'm pretty happy with that i think it's a decent enough kind of list at 600 i don't know what do you guys think i disagree about the king's huntsman bringing utility I think I I don't, the biggest point of contention. <laughs> I don't think he brings enough for fifty points. Fight three and minor hero is not a big issue because it's not like you need warband space anyway. But the one attack fight three, so you're basically just taking him for his longbow and his shooting ability, which the special rule is okay. I just think it's really conditional, and you're not going to be able to get optimal shooting every turn. So I think for like the points of almost a captain. I'd rather just get a captain. I don't think it's going to like break your list having a King's Huntsman. Not very much I would change about this. Everything, you already have like a plan for it. I, the Six Suns will hit like a truck at 600 points. If it was me, I wouldn't have thought about taking that many. Yeah, that will be really scary when you charge in with Earl. I don't know, maybe a small change I would make is just downgrade the Guard of the Fountain Court to a Warrior Minas Tirith. If the banner is going to be in the shield wall, it's going to be Defense 7 anyway, and you can use the points to give one of your Outriders a horse, or give one of your Citadel Guard a horse. I just had extra points, and that's what I ended up with. But uh, okay, yeah. Know, maybe a horse would be better, man. It's not a big change I would make. I'm going to say Hero of Valor, mostly because the, the King's Huntsman irks me, but it's a, it's a decent list. Pretty Pretty good. So would it go up to Legend if it was a different hero? I'm just curious. Possibly. <laughs> Perfect. I, <lo> <laughs> I think Charles was wrong about the six sons of Earl hitting like a truck. They're not going to hit like a truck. They're going to hit like six trucks. It's a lot <laughs> of damage. I mean, that's that, it's a it's a really good list. You did. You have accomplished what I could not. You created a good list and kept your army bonus. Did you do a Boromir quote? Ian did what I could not. I, I, oh. I, I, yeah, actually, yeah, I did make a board. <laughs> that, dude, that totally went over my head. Oh, that's like that so good. Even, I wasn't even, you pointed that out, but I wasn't even thinking about it. I just did it. Oh, that's it just, so good. It came, it came naturally. <laughs> I love it. It's such a good list. You do have the utility. I do kind of agree with Charles on the, uh, the King's Huntsman. Not a huge fan of the profile. For 50 points, I'd feel like you could pull in something that does a bit more. But I know how you feel about things with shooting bonuses. So I, I understand where you're coming from. You're coming from a place of max bows, and that's okay. I could it's, technically it's very... fit another bow in this list, just so you know. I'm not at max bow. <laughs> I just didn't want to drop the points. 
I love how with Ian there's a difference between Max Bose and mathematically Max Bose. There's a very um, distinct difference, Alex. <laughs> other than that, you did a really good job, I think, especially with the Kings of Men and throwing that in there and being able to put together a good line of troops as kind of the defensive center and then pushing the offense around it really strong. Yeah, I'm going to say it's got to be a very strong hero of valor for me. So this is obviously a pretty well-rounded list. I think we talked about the Sons of Earl a lot already, but just with the piercing strike and the army bonus potentially going up to strength six is just disgusting. And three attacks on the charge, that's just insane. And having six of them, and I'm surprised you can still get 30 models even with your elite units. So I really like it. So both the guys before didn't really like the King's Huntsman. I haven't really played against him or played with him. So take my advice with a grain of salt here. But the special rule actually looks pretty good because only failing in the way rolls of one means that even if you have a mounted hero hiding behind several ranks of troops, there's a good chance you could take out the horse. Ooh, does that mean that you can only hit the horse on a one though? I'm not sure if you can pick the horse as the target. I, I, there's an FAQ on it. I'd have to read it again. I'm not sure what it says. You can't, because the mount, unless it's, it says you can pick, the horse always counts as a failed in the way. Okay. I changed my mind, Ian. I hate the King's Huntsman. <laughs> I, okay. I'll, I'll check the FAQ. It's a pretty big deal, but I'm either going to absolutely love this profile or never want to see it again. I have the FAQ in front of me. So when he's targeting a cavalry model, he picks whether he's targeting the horse or the rider. And in that case, he only fails what he wants to hit on the two plus. So if I pick the horse and I hit the model, the only chance I'm going to hit the rider is if I roll a one on the in the way. So is it just the King's Huntsman? Because I know for the other models, you can't target the horse, right? Like at pure accuracy, you can't. Yeah. So this is under a King's Huntsman FAQ. So it's specifically for him, I think, because of his special rule. Yeah, only mentions him, mentions him. It doesn't mention, like, other models. It's specifically for him. I think he could be sneaky good. But I will say that that's more of a... If you're playing blue versus blue, and you're playing versus good side, which usually have the heavy mounted heroes, uh, it might be a slightly less useful if you're playing against evil. I mean, yeah, definitely. It's cool. I've used him a couple times, and I, I bought the, the Rohan pack that has, like, you know, the four, like, the Banner Bear, the Captain, and the King's Huntsman, and the Hornblower in it five six years ago and i've always wanted to use this model and i've only used him like two or three times i think he's worth it i I think it's worth it in this list to have the extra shenanigans that he brings over like another hero just because of the hero restrictions that you have there was another named hero i could take i think i'd take another named hero instead of him in this list but because i'm restricted to unnamed ones i like the additional shenaniganry that he brings basically what i came down to thinking was that he's basically a legolas instead of a two-up shot it's a three-up shot if you have in the ways, you could fail them on a roll of one, but it's not super likely. So he's the legless auto hit on a budget for half the points. Yeah. The biggest difference, though, was that he can't shoot into combat, I don't think. I'm pretty sure his special rule also applies in combat. So every time he kills an enemy hero or a monster, he restores his might to its starting value. So you can, once combat is joined, you can just throw him in. If you trap an enemy hero, then he's got two strikes at strength four, which with two might behind it. So he could still put in wounds and get might back and stuff. So it's not a great strategy, but it is something you can do. And I don't think people will see it coming. So Ian, this looks like for his other special rule, the one with improved in the ways would also apply in combat, right? 
Oh, if you're like hitting a charioteer or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when you want to send someone up a siege ladder, you put the king's huntsman in the front because he can hit past. He can he can get past the fortification on a two plus instead of five plus. <gasps> well, wait a second. Is that actually how that works? Does it say? It just says <laughs> fail in the way rolls. It doesn't say from shooting. Oh, you might be right. <laughs> I will say, before Gambling's rule was changed, he was probably even more ridiculous, and I'm sad oh. I never ran. Because can you imagine him, Aldor, and Halith sitting beside Gambling's banner before the change? It's just three bows, each with a point of might backed behind it every turn. Uh, that's your dream, Rob. Yeah, actually like 200 points. Okay, so I don't actually mind the pick, uh, because taking out like a Elendil's horse or like a Helm Hammerhands at 600 could potentially win you the game. So even though he's 50 points, taking out that horse is game changing. I really like the King of Men. I think the only potential change I would consider would be I'm not a huge fan of the Citadel Guard. I know they got like the longbows and bodyguard, but I don't think that they're the best valued troops. But I think overall, though, you built a really strong and well-rounded list, so I would give you a low legend on this one. Okay, so on the just quickly on the Citadel Guard, my thinking with that was I didn't want to have a ton of archers at defense four. I wanted to have some with a higher defense, and also I can plonk them on objectives. I can still put the outriders on objectives, and they'll still be okay. But it's not as good. Their special role isn't as good as bodyguard, so I'm pretty sure that's what I was thinking. And then also just more bodyguard troops that can be thrown into combat against terror causing things if I need it is handy. But yeah, it might be better if you took rangers with spears instead, because then you could toss them with the outriders, and then if that part of the line gets into combat, you have some spear supports there. I don't know. That might be a playtesting thing. See how it goes. Okay, and the final list we will be discussing today is another 800-point list, and I went with a Impossible Alliance list. Um, this is the first time I'm running a, an Impossible Alliance list, and it is between uh, Rivendell and Rohan. In Rohan, we have Errol the Young as the leader, and in his warband, he has one outrider with a horse. For Rivendell, I have Glorfindel with Armor of Gondolin and Asphaloth, leading five High Elves with Shield, four High Elves with Bow and Spear, one High Elf with Bow, and one High Elf with Spear, Shield, and Banner. Second Warband is a High Elf Captain with Shield, Horse, and Lance, three High Elves with Shield, four High Elves with Spear and Shield, two Rivendell Knights with Shield, and the last Warband is Círdan, leading two High Elves with Shield, one High Elf with Spear and Shield, one High Elf with Bow, one Rivendell Knight with Shield. So that comes to 800 points, 30 models, 9 Might, and 10 Bows. Earl the Young is the leader. And uh, first of all, I only have two models on the Rohan side, and the reason for that is to mitigate some of my penalties for taking an Impossible Alliance. So one of the downsides for an impossible alliance is once one faction breaks, your whole army counts as broken. Like, you don't have to test, but in terms of VPs, you're broken. Having two only two models in Rohan means that you have to kill both of them in order to break Rohan. So that makes it a little harder. And uh, yeah, the other penalties are like you can't benefit from each other's standfast or banners. Is That's... it heroic actions too? I think yes. so. I yes. think so. Yeah, that was the original penalty. Through FAQs, they later added the standfast and the banner, I think. I'm justifying Earl because, as we previously discussed, he's very good value for his points. 
if it wasn't for the impossible alliance, I think I would ally Earl into a lot of lists. So 115 points next to a um, 170 point Glorfindel, like he's not that far off in terms of like what he can do, the damage he can do. So I took advantage of that. So the idea is to have the two big hitters along with Kirdan giving one of them enchanted blades every turn and just relying on the two heroes to cut through enemy forces. I mean, the High Elf Captain isn't bad either. He has the lance. Kirdan being a minor hero now is a bit of an issue in Maelstrom. In Maelstrom, I would probably just deploy Kirdan first and then deploy my other warbands near him to protect him. 30 models, it's not great, but all the heroes I'm going to be sending into combat, other than Kirdan, are pretty resilient. I think if I'm just a little bit more careful with the troops and rely on the Aura of Dismay to help me stay alive, the plan is really to just have them hold out while the heroes win the game for me. Yeah, so I really like the way that you set up the Red Alliance, where you only take two models from the Rohan contingent. It really mitigates a lot of the penalties. And with the Outrider especially, is you can hide them in a corner. The Outrider is just not going to run away, even if you do end up breaking or anything like that. The only thing is, I would consider putting Glorfindel as your leader, just because for Earl, because you have the two models, and with the Outrider probably hiding out somewhere, you're probably not going to break even if Earl dies. So it's less of a risk there to just throw him in. And with his you know amount of killing power, that's kind of what you want to do. And he is a little squishier than Glorfindel with one less fate, less fight value, and then also doesn't have the Lord of the West. So Glorfindel just doesn't lose fights, right? But I do like the rest of your hero choices. Glorfindel, solid. You got the captain with March. And then Círdan, of course, which he just buffs everyone else in the army. Yeah, so even though you're on the lower model count, I think because you have a decent amount of cav in there, it kind of balances it out. I would give this like a high valor, maybe a low legend, especially if you make Glorfindel the leader. I just remember, I totally forgot about Glorfindel's 4-5 spirit, so I think that is a good call too, because I earn her points, you're going to be facing casters almost for sure, so yeah, probably good to have the 4-5 spirit on your leader. On that point too, I think Glorfindel makes the better leader, because that way, he can still go in and do stuff, but he's not like the best at dealing damage, so you can play a little bit more conservative with Glorfindel and let the Captain and Earl go in and do a lot of damage and be a little bit more reckless with them. The other thing is, if you have Earl as the leader, you're putting a lot of victory points that can swing on him, right? If they kill him, they're going to get the breaking victory points, and then they're going to get the leader victory points, right? So I think it's better to kind of diffuse that a little bit, rather than having everything stacked up on the one guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's another good point. I was just thinking, because Earl has potentially the bigger pool of might, that was my original reason. He might have better board control on his flank, on his side of the board. It's nice that you have the three mounted heroes. Kirdan's going to be babysitting the shield wall, but I think you're going to want to leave one hero near him just to kind of respond to threats and do stuff. Yeah, if Glorfindel's your leader, maybe keep Glorfindel and Kirdan kind of close together next to the shield wall, and then you can go a little bit crazier with Earl and the captain, kind of push them out a little bit further if you want. I don't know. I'm trying to think of ways you can leverage it, having Earl like not respond to other heroic actions. But I think it's more of a detriment just because he can bring in free extra might, but no one else is benefiting from it. So if you had more Rohan guys, so then you could kind of move half your army, let somebody attack, then respond with the bulkier troops, that'd be good. 
but then also you get into the breaking thing. So I think this build is better, but it also just mitigates what you can do with his might. He's going to be going after enemy heroes, I think. It reminds me of Guahir. He can't really benefit, or other people can't benefit from his might. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely make Glorfinn the leader because you're going to want to put Earl into enemy heroes because that's the best use of his might in this situation because it's not going to be heroic actions. Maybe heroic combats, but it's it's all going to be combat stuff. Strikes and combats, yeah. As for the rest of the list, I like the build. The 30 models is scary, but you have the three pretty like mid-tier to high-tier mounted heroes, right? And then another three Rivendell Knights, which are really great troops. Oh, and the Outrider. He's got a horse too. So you have a decent mobility and decent mounted contingent. So the, the low models is okay, especially when you have the blinding light to protect all your guys on the way in. <sighs> I have to go Val- Valor, I think. Yeah, I can't put it a legend just because of the impossible alliance and because Earl, you're not getting a ton of bonuses from having Earl in the list, unfortunately. Because, yeah, if I was going to do something like this, like a high elf heavy contingent, I think I'd just take Boromir Gondor <laughs> to have that other heavy hitter in there. But I I like what you're going for. I like the idea. We know Boromir is good with anything, so we're just trying to find a way to potentially have another option. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe... <laughs> Maybe another impossible alliance would be better. Yeah. Well, if you're going to go impossible, you might as well go for something full ridiculous. Take, like, Earl the Young and bulk out on your Rohan contingent and then ally in, like, Dane. Yeah. (laughs) Or, like, one of the White Council members or something. (laughs) Like, if you're going to go impossible, just go impossible. That could work. I just picked Rivendell because, I guess, for the utility of having, like, a Kyrdan and... Yeah. Iron Hills has its own upsides and downsides, too. If you go three lists, that increases your chances of breaking. Your risk goes up. So I kind of wanted to keep it at two. I'll continue the general theme. I definitely think just the way the list is composed. I do agree with Ian and Richard for sure. Glorfindel as your leader might be the better option just because it's a little bit more defensively resilient. And with the way your army is composed... Earl was the only one really able to take advantage of his own free might points, so it would be better to have him as the secondary hero in order to uh, use him as the hero to go chasing after your opponent's big heroes. Aside from that, it's a very good list. I don't really knock you much for the slightly lower troop count, just because high elves in general, at 800 points, usually you have a lower count there. I think for an impossible alliance, this is really the way to run it. We need to find options that aren't Boromir. We always turn to Boromir. This is this is pretty good. I think I'm going to go with Ian on this one because it's impossible, because of those restrictions. I can't give it a legend, but it is a very strong hero of valor. All right, okay. I think Richard's a winner today. Two legends. I don't think any of us got two legends today, other than him. I know, I didn't get two legends. <laughs> Let's move on to our open topic of the day. open topic of today we'll be discussing our favorite warriors in the game each of us will be bringing three warrior profiles and we'll kind of give a brief rundown on why we think they're the best for their points and uh, why they're uh, one of our favorites yeah let's have uh ian go first today for my choices i was a little bit torn for my number three spot because i knew it was going to be no matter what in one of these three i was going to have one of the fight six elven troop types i just wasn't sure which type 
I was very tempted to put the Kingsguard from Gilgalad on there because I've you know, had talks with Charles and Richard before about them, and I think they are really good. And then Thranduil's ones are really good too, but they have to be close to him, and they're they're kind of more buff dependent, like being close to Thranduil. So what I went with out of the guards of the Gladrim Court, I'm not sure if they are the best of the three, but I think they're the easiest ones to work into any kind of a list. And I've been running them basically since I got back into this hobby. Shoot, like 10 years ago when I was running like, the first list I ran was Lothlorien. They were my favorite troop type then, and it hasn't really changed. The Fight 6 is great. They have Courage 6, which is, you know what, it's handy. But the Fight 6 and the Pikes is just really good. Maybe they're not as good as they used to be because Lothlorien can hit Defense 6, so they kind of want to run that more elite kind of list now. They kind of suffer from that, but just from allying in, adding extra attacks where you want in a Lothlorien list, I think they're really good. Do you guys have any thoughts on them? Yeah, so I really like them as well. But funny thing is that with the Pike, a lot of people think it's just stacking two guards of the Gladrum Court, which is still nice. But what I've done before is actually stagger them with pikemen from the fiefdoms list. So I kind of get a cheaper points cost troop. This is a Yellow Alliance, by the way, but, you know, have them stand in the very back and just get fight six, giving my fiefdoms, like, basically a fight six block, but while only having a few of these guys. So it's really cost efficient. I really like these guys, too. Yeah, and um, I don't think you mentioned their ability to shield is nice, even though they don't have a shield. The downside to them is um, you always want them in the back, right? Because if they're directly in combat, you're going to be shielding a lot of times because... Uh, there's some stuff they lack, right? Like, they don't have, like, the two-handed option, so they can't, like, hit as hard if you need them to. They don't have the Elven Maid. But for the supporting role, they're amazing. I agree. For 12 points, too. And like you said, they do have the shielding ability, which I forgot to mention. It is fantastic. One of the things I love doing with them is just as soon as you find any kind of enemy hero that's fight five or fight six, you just go, okay, I'm going to put an Elf into them at the front who has the Elven Blade and put this guy in behind. So if I have a banner nearby, that's three dice at equal or higher fight value with an Elven Blade. So, And even when they do break through that front guy and kill that front guy, you can still shield with them. So you're still at like those three dice at fight six. So they're just, they're so good at holding up heroes. You either love them if you're playing with them and you absolutely hate them if you're playing against them. For their points cost, just that can help you tie up a big hero or in a lot of cases outfight them is just totally insane. Plus, they can shield, so if they do get stuck in the front line, they have a chance to play defense. So, in my second place, I have the Humble Warrior of Arnor. These guys are just, they're, they bring so much to the table for eight points. It's crazy. They come with the spear and the shield, so they got the defense six, they have fight four for eight points. It's crazy. It's just, it's so points efficient. Yeah, they have courage too, but the army bonus is a really easy workaround for that because then every uh, Arnor warrior within six inches of Arbidui just automatically passes courage tests. Or if you go to higher points, what I like to do if I'm running these guys is ally in Rivendell and get Kyrdan in there for the aura of command bubble. And then I think I've actually done this before in one of our previous episodes. I had them allied in with Celeborn. So as long as you have something to mitigate that Courage debuff, they're fantastic. And then you can also buff them if you take Malbeth. So they just become a ridiculously points-efficient grinding front line. Like, it, it's crazy. And they're just, they're so handy. So yeah, they're definitely like one of my top troop choices for sure. And then in my number one spot, I have Rivendell Knights. This probably isn't a surprise to anybody. They are just like crazy good, crazy versatile. They're Elven Cavalry with lances. They hit super hard. 
yeah, I don't know. Not much else to say on them. It's kind of funny that both two of these uh, troop choices worked into my uh, <laughs> Nova list in 2019. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think uh, Rivendell Knights definitely mobility, just yeah, pure versatility. They're awesome. Yeah, so Rivendell Knights, I think everyone just knows they're ridiculously good. They're just a jack of all trades, right? I'm surprised you didn't mention that they can shoot too, right? So. And then with the expert rider, they're actually still defense six with the shield while mounted. So I think a lot of people consistently rank them as the best cav in the game. So I agree with that then. I agree about the Rivendell Knight being one of the top super versatile. And then Warrior of Arnor, yeah, because essentially the spear is free, right? Because if you compare him to like a like a normal defense six warrior, and if you can mitigate courage, that's like another point saved that you would have paid for courage, for courage three, uh, like typical man. Yeah, like compared to a warrior of Ministerith, they're one point cheaper for the same yeah. thing, basically. Yeah. And they also have Hatred Angmar, which yeah. I don't think should be worth a point because it's only the one faction. I mean, you can kind of say Warriors Minas Tirith have their shield wall and they can kind of cancel. Yeah. I mean, Warriors Minas Tirith, they're not paying for shield wall. It was just kind of tacked on this edition. Yeah. The points was the same. Yeah, it's really good. I think Arnor Warrior would be in my top three if if it was in a different army. Arnor is, like you said, it's really good with Rivendell, but, you know, it's not the best list to ally. But super solid warrior, definitely. Warrior of Arnor, they're a fantastic bargain troop. I mean, they bring fight four, defense six. They're only eight points. I think for the same combo, most of the time you're paying more, closer to nine, ten points. Bringing them in can be a bit harder. But once you get them in that list, like you did for your Nova list last year, just such a good budget troop. Rivendell Knights, I really don't have to say anything. Between mobility, courage, having the lance... Having the bow, yeah, they do They do everything. They're great for picking off soft targets, for taking objectives, getting that charge bonus on a flank. They'll do everything. They're easily right up at the top, like Richard said, best cavalry in the game. So I kind of went with specialty troops here. So I went with Gilgalad's Kingsguard. So essentially, this is just a normal elf, but if you take Gilgalad, you can upgrade for one point to make them fight six. So uh, not to repeat everything we just said for the guards of the Gladrum Court, but basically fight six is really good. And for one point is very, very, very good. So I think if you take Gilglad, you always have to take a bunch of these guys. Some people even swear by going with like the full warband, but you would at least want to take like a handful of these for sure. My second favorite would be the Spectres. So I think there's some debate on whether the Sentinel's worth it due to its uh, high points cost. But the Spectre, I feel like, is just like a budget but value version of it. Like, it's always a good take in Angmar because, um, first of all, all the synergies you get. But yeah, just being able to move your opponent's models is always a big deal in a tactical battle. So, And then for number one, we have the Bat Swarm. So the Bat Swarm is in Moria and I believe in Denizens of Mirkwood. Being an infantry and flying model, it's already uh, really, really good in the new like mobility meta because being able to pick up or dig up like objectives and just fly anywhere you want. 
um, is already crazy good, but having this special rule, being able to round down a fight value of enemy model makes pretty much all of Moria's monsters just that much scarier. Like, you combo them with a monster and you can take down any hero. So with the right positioning, I think, yeah, fast form is what I think makes the Moria list, like, what it is. Yeah, I like all three of your picks. I think Gilglass Kingguard might be the best out of the three fight six elves for me. The only small downside is uh, you are limited to Gilglad, which is the most, like, restricted version of Rivendell. Yes, Spectre's easily, like, good in any Angmar list. And then Bass Form, it takes away the weakness of a lot of lists that doesn't have Heroic Strike. You can really threaten big heroes without having any Heroic Strike in your army. And I think with the 12-inch move, you just have so much control. And like you said, with objectives, they're amazing. Spectres, yeah, they're definitely better, I think, than Sentinels. Again, sometimes they don't really do much, but these ones are only 15 points. So having one or two in a list, being able to move models around to either block your opponent's path or get a banner out of range, they're really useful. Cause terror, so they really fit well with the Angmar list. And then there's the Bat Swarm, and it's funny because I think the last time we played, maybe a month or two ago, we talked about how in Moria, especially, it seems the Bat Swarm is really kind of like their secret weapon. Being able to throw one of those into one of your opponent's big heroes and then charge it with a monster is just devastating because it takes your opponent's big, reliable hero right out of the equation. They're also very difficult to kill. Everybody says, oh, they're only, what, at defense four? Defense three, but they do have four wounds. Yeah, they have four wounds. Yeah, it takes multiple turns to get rid of them. Unless you completely swamp them, which you don't really want to do, because in any list that you see a bat swarm, you usually see tons of troops, so you can't really afford to swamp them. So they're just fantastic for their points. They also have two attacks. And with the fly, you could get some sneaky traps, for sure. And going along with the Moria bonus, basically, you want to be trapping as much as possible. Yeah, just a massive ton of Moria goblins and a handful of prowlers coming around the flanks. Getting those traps off and the the bat swarms actually being able to play into that is pretty nightmarish. If you can get those traps working, they're a critical part of any successful Moria list, I think. I was just going to touch on like the bat swarms mostly because just the thing with them is it takes things that are threatening in your list and it basically just says, yeah, if I get this into combat with any of these other things, I'm just going to delete you here and there's nothing you can do about it. Like it's almost game breaking the amount of things A that it can do and B how it's going to force your opponent to play. Just having one in your list sitting behind your lines, not even doing anything, forces your opponent to go crazy into overdrive, just thinking, okay, I need to make sure I have a spear support behind every single one of my heroes and make sure their bases are completely blocked off so Cav base can't charge it. Because if they do, I'm probably going to lose that fight and I'm going to take wounds on that hero. There's so many options that it opens up to you, it's insane. And even like you said, because of all the wounds that it has, if you just need to stop a hero for a couple turns, just throw a bat swarm into it. It'll take your average hero at least two turns to like get through it. So it can target enemy heroes at the very least by itself. But then when you combo it with other things, even just with normal goblins, if he's fighting something that's like, what, like, like fight five or less, normal goblins can bring that down. So like any Rohan hero seeing just this and normal goblins, they're going to shudder. They're crazy good. Amazing for their, their versatility. As for the Spectres, yeah, I think just the movement shenanigans they bring is good with the Courage Test. It really helps out evil armies a lot. 
And then comparing them to Sentinels, I think it's just it's easier to fit Spectres into lists because they're only 15 points. In evil lists, you usually have enough numbers where it's okay if you drop a couple guys to fit in a Spectre. Whereas in good lists, you're losing two and a half models to fit in a Sentinel in a list that's already strapped for numbers. So yeah, I agree. I think the Spectres are definitely better. Next, I'll go over my favorite warriors. At number three, I have the Rohan Roll Guard. The reason I went with this instead of any of the other bodyguard warriors is because they're so essential in any Rohan army, pretty much. They're one of the only bodyguards that can be mounted. I know there's Citadel Guard as well, but Citadel Guard mounted are, you know, they're, they're kind of a mixed bag compared to these guys. For 15 points, you get a really solid profile. And some people even say that there's no point in taking riders if you can just spam these guys. Personally, I think riders still have a role in an all-mounted Rohan list, but just being able to get the Fight 5 in either Helm's Guard or any list with Eden in it, having a Fight 5 cavalry in a non-Elven list is pretty rare. With Throwing Spear, Fearless, they're just really good for a cav that's 15 or 17 points. And also in some of the Legendary Legions, they can use their Throwing spear as, uh, spear as well to support. That makes them a really good battle line core. Uh, number two is Warrior Minas Tirith. This might be a bit of a strange pick for some people, but I just think that they're amazing for what you get. They're the cheapest warrior in the game that can reach Defense 7. And because of how cheap they are, 7 points base, you can just spam them and as long as you're base-to-base -base with two other models, they can form a battle line for pretty cheap, and they can just hold out for turn after turn after turn. And if you need the time to grab objectives, if you need the time for heroes to do the killing, they'll be around. And even facing other lists that are higher fight value, higher strength, they can usually grind a long time. And number one I have is the Mahood Raider. You guys know I like my Farharad. I love these guys because of the impale mechanic, which is unique to them. It allows the Mahood Raider to deal damage before the fight begins. And I think that's really important because their weakness is their fight three. So if they ever get charged, which you don't want them to ever get charged, they're basically like a war rider, fight three, strength four, defense five model. You want to charge preferably cavalry models to get the free hit on the mount. And potentially the rider too. And just sometimes if your dice is going your way, you can take out three or four models before you are actually stuck in combat. And that already makes your points back before you even hit fight phase. That's why Mahood Raider is number one for me. So the Rohan Royal Guard, I get. You see them a ton in Rohan lists. And it's justified now because of the uh, the bonus they can get to their fight value in a lot of different like Legendary Legions or with Theoden. I would say this is just personal preference. If you're going to take any throwing spears, I would put on the Rohan Royal Guard at least when they're mounted, because then it gives you the throwing, like some kind of ranged option, whereas the riders still have their bows, but that's just anecdotal. The Warrior Minister is number two. That one is interesting. Just because, like, last edition, everybody thought they were garbage and, like, trash and, like, they're not that good just because there's so much strength four going around. But I agree with you. Now that they can hit the uh, defense seven, oftentimes you'll see, like, masses of them run with Boromir, uh, with the banner. And, and they do become really good troops when you have, like, Boromir and they're in the peer list, right? So then they become fight force, defense seven, courage four. Like, they're really solid. Conditionally, but for their points, that's really good. So yeah, I, I, I'm surprised, but I do agree with that choice. Yeah, that, that's a good pick. As for the Mohud Raiders, I, I mean, yeah, no, I understand completely why they're your number one pick. Those impact hits are insane, and I've played a ton of... I, I honestly don't know how many games i played against your Mohud lists, and the one lesson I learned at the end of all those games is the first thing you have to kill, even if there's half a dozen to a dozen half-trolls sitting in front of you, you have to get rid of the Raiders first. 
they are the biggest threat in that list because they can just snowball like crazy. And there's nothing as an opponent you can do against it. If somebody has hot dice, like I, I remember we had a game, you had maybe 10 riders. I tagged nine of them and one of them was sitting at the back. I couldn't tag him. And he went through and he freed up one guy and then they freed up another guy and then they freed up another guy. And I lost like 10 troops because I didn't tag one damn Mahut Raider. They're insane. They are crazy good. Yeah, so as number one, I 100% understand. They're stupid. <laughs> Not too much to add for the Rohan Royal Guard and the Warrior Minas Tirith because we see it oh so often. And I think that kind of just shows how good they are. If you play Rohan, you're going to take Royal Guard. If you play uh, Gondor, then you're going to play Minas Tirith Warriors, right? So I think when it comes to the Mahud Raider, yeah, they're just really scary because everyone just thinks of how much damage they could do in combat and with their impact hits. But then they also have like their blowpipes. So like they have a lot of utility as well. I think uh, I definitely agree with Ian on this, where on paper, the half-trolls might look like the scariest and the biggest threats in a Far Harad list, but it's actually the camels. Don't have much more to add. I mean, the Raiders, I can count on more than one hand the number of games I played against them when we were able to get games in, where they would probably just take out a whole bunch of orcs all in one turn. And I've begged you for years to convert a model of a Raider with like five orcs stuck to the front of it because I've had those things absolutely decimate a supporting line. Just one of them. Just one goes through and like essentially turns into a snowplow and just rolls over half a line of supports and it's devastating. After that game, you actually went over to the Games Workshop uh, web store and uh, you were looking at camels. I saw you. Uh, you were like, I don't know if you were considering starting a Farharad army, but you were looking at the products. <laughs> yeah, that's trauma. <laughs> That was, you and I are probably thinking the exact same game where it was just like, you had like, what, two or three raiders and they just rolled over everything. It was a nightmare because any kind of positioning that you have, if you don't get those raiders down, you can kiss your positioning goodbye because they just walk over everything. It's what, two strength four hits? One strength four. It yeah. feels like two because there's 10 models doing it. <laughs> Uh, it's two if it's like um, if it's a mounted model so if your hero is just a defense four horse it's like 50 50 uh, it'll kill the horse and then it might hit the rider as well yes yeah they're definitely worse than the half trolls the half trolls are almost like the distraction for the raiders big strength and you're like i've got to find a way to get these things down and then the mobility of the raiders comes out of nowhere and just wipes you out like they are a devastating troop talking about hammer and anvil armies earlier yeah Mahud is definitely like up there for like one of the number one hammer and anvil ones it's a really scary thought that you've got the hammer and anvil army and the half trolls aren't the hammer <laughs> it's devastating okay that's that's my last little touch on that uh, so my favorite you guys rank them i i didn't rank them it's funny enough, I kind of got them in order. I'd say third, probably, for me, is Khazad Guard. Yeah, they are 11 points, and they're 11 points, and no, they don't get fight six. But normally in a pure Khazad Doom army, your leader is going to be someone who is quite difficult to bring down, especially if they're insulated. So, like, they immediately get bodyguard to your leader. So they're great for me when it comes to taking and holding objectives, they can go into anything terror-causing without worrying about it. That's really useful. The number of times that I've used that to pin down either a monster or to charge into a big hero, 
while they can't shield, they are defense seven, so they're pretty resilient, pretty forgiving troop, uh, so long as they're not severely outnumbered. And then, of course, when you do get into those big heroes, if you can outnumber the hero and have one of your big heroes and one or two of those Kazid guard, if you get them trapped, being able to go two-handed piercing strike or even just piercing striking with them, getting up to that strength five, they can be absolutely devastating. I almost always have close to like a third or a quarter of my warband, the Kazid guard, second, the Mren orc warrior because they're always talked about as like an elite orc option, but they are the standard orc fight three, but then strength four, and then I always give them a shield defense six. So they're practically like Urukai, but they're only eight or nine points. Last edition, I did run pure Moran orc armies, and I still do see it occasionally, but I love to put them as kind of a supporting troop into a largely regular orc army. I just find the different weapon options orc warriors again that i didn't really rank them between the two of them just a general orc warrior people always kind of look at me a little funny sometimes when i say that but for six points you can get a ton of different war gear options so long as you have a shaman to mitigate their courage issues they also get a lot of the different bonuses in this edition that are centered around orcs so they get a ton of that and you can just get absolute war bands upon war bands of them so they're really strong that way even though they are only strength three there are ways to get them to hit at strength four use them for traps getting the occasional two-handed weapon in there to get that in trapping situations they're just really useful that way and they're always the bread and butter of my armies with mordor even in the new legions even though we say they're not great legions being able to get that synergy with urukai and scouts legions or in the serathungal legion they're just a real bread and butter option they're really great that way so i just want to touch on like the, the kazad guard they've always been like a solid troop choice before but then the one thing that happened this edition with the uh, the buff they can get from durin and i know we talked about durin not being great and it's debatable on how good this is but I just remember, I think it was early on, like maybe the first time or the second time I played against an army that had a whole bunch of those like Hearthguard guys with the Burly. And there was like a single line of them and a banner behind. And I put two ranks of troops in, I put a hero in, and I was like, perfect, I'm going to overrun this flank, no problem. And I lost the flank because they're just, they're so survivable. And at that point with the Burly strength forward and rerolling ones to wound, they just kill. So they just, they just outgrind you. It's insane. It's insane. So, that notwithstanding, they still are a fantastic troop just for grinding, normally anyway, against troops. There's a reason you always see, like, tons of them in a dwarf list. Like, I can't think of a Kazadoom yeah. list that I've played against that doesn't have, like, at least six of them in it. And there's a reason for that. They're awesome. Actually, no, that's a lie. Charles ran one. No. Charles, did your, uh, your, your ranger all, list have? I didn't have any Kazagard in for a reason, but I'll wait for my turn for that. Okay. As for the humble Moranin and Orc Warriors, yeah, I agree. They are just good because they are so spammable and you can get so many buffs on them in basically every list you take them in. They always just end up paying off well. I won't say much more on that. I think there's a rant somewhere on the Green Dragon from Kylie uh, <laughs> that goes off about them, and, and I 100% agree. They are surprisingly effective for ridiculously cheap points. I just want to say, Alex, I was surprised that you didn't go with Angmar Orc Warrior Isengard Orc Warrior and then Mordor Orc Warrior as your top three. <laughs> He's got play Angmar. It's all one keyword now. <laughs> no, no, Angmar Orc Warrior is actually a different profile. 
Is it separately in the book because of the keyword? In the book? No, I think the actual profile name is Angmar Orc Warrior. Anyway, since Alex didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like all these picks. Kazagard, I think, would just be super, super scary if that list had spear supports. But even without, I think it's a staple in that list. And then Moranian Orc Warriors and Orc Warriors, I think not much else to be said about them. They're just really good value troops. I think you can't really go wrong with spamming out either of these. Some people like having a mix. Some people like going all Orcs. Some people like going all Moranian Orcs. And it's just a different play style depending on how you're building your list. So honestly, you can't go wrong with any of these two profile types. I like all three of these warriors, but they're nowhere near the top for me. First, the Kazagard, it's great that he has the essentially hand and a half option for both of his piercing strike that he can do. But just being at one attack, that's the reason why I stopped taking them. I had a phase where I played a lot of dwarves, and the longer I played them, the less Kazagard I used because... Your warriors can shield with their two dice and Iron Guard have the two attack. And I think for a list with no battle line, no spears, the one attack is really, is quite a handicap. They're not bad for 11 points, but just because of the army they're in, I don't think they're that great or at least great enough to spam. Moranans are good. I think it's my, probably my favorite out of these three. They're just really solid. You could take a ton of them in like any motor army and most of the time they'll do their job. They have access to maces, which are great. They have the option to bash and piercing strike. Orc warriors, they're solid. They're good for their points, but they're not something that I wouldn't want to take in every army. Like, for example, like I don't see a lot of people take orcs when they run Isengard, even though it's an option. It's just usually in an army list, um, there are better options. Unless you're playing in a list where you kind of have to take orcs because of a synergy reasons or or whatever i think they're good for their points to fill out your numbers but i would never rely on them as like a main battle line unless there was like a specific strategy i had in mind no i don't think about them much in isengard in the legion in isengard legions they do come up but in mordor i find like when you're looking for you know like if you were doing gothmog's legion or you know, a situation where you're looking for high numbers they're just a really solid pick they're not the flashiest, they're not the hardest hitting, but they do a lot of things well enough. Yeah, Charles, I gotta disagree with you a bit there on the Orc Warriors. I think the reason why you don't see them in Isengard is because they don't synergize with the Isengard army bonus. I think that's the only reason why. But personally, I've actually built some lists. I mean, I haven't played a lot of Isengard, but I actually like the idea of taking Orcs there because sometimes Urukai can be really pricey. And I, I do like lists with higher model counts. And the difference between the Moranin and the with the Orc Warrior is what one point differential for one string. So two because of the defense. Oh, so they get the plus one D. Yeah. So base Moranin with nothing is seven. Base Orc with nothing is five. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, like it, you're paying for that defense as well. So if you think Moranin Orcs are good value, I think Orcs are basically the same deal. It's just you're going for like a budget version. Fair enough. I just think that them being able to hit defense six makes Moranins more reliable. Like, yeah, orcs are good for their points, but I feel like a lot of the times when I use them, they die too fast. For certain missions that you send them on, like if you want them to hold a choke point or something, they won't be as reliable, but you'll have more of them. So it's kind of like a personal preference at that point. Yeah, if I need them to hold the choke point, that's normally where I've got to send like a 50-50 split with them and Moran Norks at defense six. Because otherwise, yeah, they go down pretty quickly. 
in most lists where I've got lots of orc warriors, it's mainly my opponent killing orc warriors and me going, yeah, don't worry, I got like 40 more where that came from. It's all about the numbers with them. All right, that has been our discussion on our favorite warrior profiles. Thank you all for listening. Look forward to the next episode of Into the West.